The sermon text today is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there is an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to, the, said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. How many of you remember uh, the television show uh, MacGyver? I got a lot of smiles. I see some smiles, MacGyver, right? It was in the 80s, so maybe some of you don't remember MacGyver. That's a shame. It was a great show. Um, MacGyver was a man who found himself often in various situations, difficult situations. And uh, the, the thing about MacGyver is that he would always get out of those difficult situations because MacGyver always had a plan. No matter what the situation was, MacGyver always had a plan. It's amazing that the show lasted so long because it, every episode was him in a, in a various situation, and you just knew that he was going to get out the situation because MacGyver always had a plan. You know that God has a plan? He has always, always, always had a plan. He's had a plan from the, the very beginning. You know what that plan has been and continues to be? His plan has always been to redeem a people for his glory through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This was his plan in the garden, and that is his plan today. All throughout redemptive history, God has chosen, he has sought to, sought to choose men and women to carry out his plans and purposes in the earth. Imagine that. God's creatures have had the privilege of playing a role in God's redemptive plan. Oftentimes, without even knowing it, little known people whom God used in mighty ways, Rahab the the prostitute, Esther the concubine, Boaz, 
Nathan, the, the list goes on and on. And over the last couple of weeks, we have, we have studied another one of those individuals. Uh, uh, a little-known figure who has played a key role in redemptive history. Philip, the evangelist. Philip, since his conversion, has been faithfully and unashamedly preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with those who he comes in contact with. He hasn't been holed up in a room seeking to study or anything like that. He has been out on the front lines preaching the gospel. Philip was, uh, when, when Stephen was, was martyred, Philip was there leading the charge as the, as the church was scattered. Philip led the charge in preaching the gospel that he was in Samaria when the gospel came to the Samaritans. But now he's back in Jerusalem with the apostles. But, but staying in Jerusalem was, was never the goal. Sure, come back to Jerusalem and, and get trained and, and, and spend time with the saints, but, but the goal was never to stay in Jerusalem. They were, they were not to get too comfortable because God calls his people into action. You know, that is what we, we like to tell people here in the new members class. We like to say, don't get too comfortable Yes, yes, God has brought you to this body of believers, and and we desire that that you would grow and and foster community and and use the gifts that God has has given you to to help the body and in service to the body. But we say, don't get too comfortable. We want want you to, as John Piper says, have a holy ambition. Be, be so impacted and, 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 and moved by the gospel that it, it causes you to do something, that you are anxious in your seats because you have a holy ambition to want to serve God. I want you to be attentive to the call of God and have a desire to go where God says go and when God says Go. The Bible is, is littered, is littered with, with such calls. Abraham in Genesis 12 is, is called to leave Ur and go to the land of Canaan. Moses is called back into Egypt to tell Pharaoh to release the people of Israel. Joshua is, is called to lead the children into the promised land. And in our text this morning, Philip receives a call. It's a call into service. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a a desert place. Here, Philip is back in Jerusalem with with the apostles. He's, He's there with the church, and he gets a tap on the shoulder. Philip gets a call. Now, there are some aspects to this call that that we need to take notice of. It's important that we understand these these various aspects of this this call. We we need to understand the origin of this call. This, This was a specific call from God. An angel of the Lord came to Philip and told him to go. Now, it is important that we understand this to be a unique encounter. 
Oh, it has happened to others in the scriptures. Happened to Joseph, right? The, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and, and told him to name Jesus, Jesus. We, we saw an angel of the Lord come to, 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 uh, uh, to Peter and, and John as they are in, the, in jail. And the, the angel, an angel of the Lord breaks open the doors and tells them to go and continue preaching. But it's still unique nonetheless. God has specific assignments for people in order to accomplish his specific purposes in the world. Whenever an angel of the Lord appeared in Scripture to bring a message, at that point, the, 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 the person who the angel of the Lord was coming to, they did not have an option. They obeyed. They obeyed because it was an, a message from God. So we, we understand that the origin of the call was from God. But then notice the specifics of the call. Philip was to go down to Gaza, to a desert place. Desert place there means desert place. It means, it means not much life, very little people, desolate. So we understand that the origin of the call, this, this was a, a call from God, and the, the specifics of this call is that, they were t- that he was to go down to Gaza. He wasn't just to go anywhere, but he was to go to Gaza. So in light of the aspects of this call, there are a couple of important points we need to make and we need to understand. First, we need to understand that God spoke directly to Philip because he had chosen Philip to fulfill his plan. What was that plan? Well, Isaiah 56 verses 3 through 5 tell us what that plan is. It's not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. God is sending Philip to Gaza in order to fulfill his plan of bringing the nations into his fold. That's the point. That's the point of this text. That's why God is sending Philip into Gaza so that he can talk to this, this, this Ethiopian eunuch, a true Gentile, Gentile bringing him into the fold, not like the Samaritans who were half Jewish and half Greek, No, here was an individual who was from a completely different ethnicity, a completely different culture, being taken the gospel and being brought into the fold of God. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the believers here, to Philip, Ethiopia would have been the ends of the earth. That's the point. God had a plan to bring the nations into the kingdom. And Philip, Philip got to play a role 
in this redemptive plan. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that God's purposes and plans are still being accomplished today? His plan is still to bring people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He is gathering a people, and guess what? We have the privilege of playing a part in that. Oh, the objection may be, well, I've never had an an angel of the Lord come and tell me where I should go and, and when I should go. Well, no, duh, nobody has here. An angel of the Lord shouldn't be sitting around waiting to hear an audible call from God before we go. Many, many a Christian, many a Christian has been paralyzed in their service to God because they are waiting to hear a voice tell them where and when they are to go. Brothers and sisters, if you are waiting for a voice or an angel of the Lord to appear to you and and tell you where to go, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but you're going to keep on waiting. So if God doesn't speak to me directly, does does that mean that I am not supposed to go? That I'm not supposed to, to, to take the gospel to the nations? No, brothers and sisters, we go because of what we read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom all so he created the world. We have the word of God to guide and to direct our steps. That is how God speaks to us. That is is how we receive our instruction and our mission from him. We do so through the word of God. You know what the word of God tells us to do? The word of God tells us to go. Tells us to go in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And out and behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. Listen, God may not call us to go to a specific place, an exact location like he did Philip, but he did call us to go. Take the gospel to places near and far, making disciples and baptizing them and and teaching them. That means, brothers and sisters, going across the street. That means going across the office. It might mean going across the state line. Brothers and sisters, it certainly includes growing across the ocean to take the gospel to places unknown. We understand that though we don't receive a specific call of an exact location of where to go, we are called to go. But secondly, Philip was called to leave the bustling city of Jerusalem where his brothers and sisters were, where where there was instruction from the apostles and, and comforts from the church And what was he called to? Where was he called to? What awaited him? A desert place. 
a desert place. Not very attractive, huh? William Carey, the, was considered the father of modern missions, was, was called to India. Jim Elliott was called to the jungles of Ecuador. A brother right in our own backyard by the name of Leroy Lamar was, was called to southwest Atlanta, metropolitan, to deal with those who are, have been infected by the, by the sex industry. He leads an organization called Serenity Steps. Where God chooses to send his servants isn't always in the best part of the country or the world. It isn't often in the the nicest, most affluent parts of town. Truth be told, it isn't often our first option of places we might want to go or find ourselves. How many of you said, oh, I love to move to East Point, the most dangerous suburb in the world, in the country? I would love to move to East Point. How many of you said that? Oh, not many of you. Some of you said, I'm still never moving to East Point. East Point wasn't first on your list. I can guarantee you that. In fact, places God calls us to go sometimes leaves people scratching their head. Why would you want to go there? We go to these places, these difficult places, because if God calls us to go, then God has a reason for us to go. We, we, we trust the sovereignty of God. That was, that was Philip's response. He, he, he got up and he said, okay, I'm going to Gaza the way that you told me to go to Gaza. He didn't fast and pray about going. He didn't say, well, let me seek some counsel. What did the apostles say? No, an angel of the Lord told me to go and I'm going to Gaza. I'm being obedient to the call. And Philip soon finds out why he was sent. There was a divine appointment. There was a divine appointment. Look at verses 27 and 28. And he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, And the spirit said to him, go over and join this chariot. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. This is not Philip seizing the moment. It wasn't like Philip was on on the road to Gaza, going about his business, and he he sees this Ethiopian eunuch and says, oh, there is somebody I can go and share the gospel with. And he goes up upon him, and he just happens to be reading Isaiah 53. Are you kidding me? This is not coincidence. This here, brothers and sisters, is the sovereignty of God. There was an appointment. There was a a God appointment scheduled for this Ethiopian eunuch, and God was sending means by which that appointment was going to be fulfilled. Listen, the Bible tells us that God has sheep that he desires to save. Men and women 
that before the foundation of the world, he has set his love and his affection upon men and women with whom exists nothing good in them that God would choose them. Except God chooses according to his good pleasure. But the, but the actual salvation of these individuals is accomplished by means. That, that is why we evangelize. That is why we preach the gospel. That is why we proclaim it. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Brothers and sisters, that's Philip. And this is the Ethiopian eunuch chosen before the foundation of the world. He had a divine appointment. And here is God sending Philip the means by which that salvation was going to be accomplished. Here's the deal, brothers and sisters. We don't know who has been chosen before the foundation of the world. I can't see your heart. You can't look on somebody and say, oh, yeah, that looks like somebody that that needs to be saved. We can't see people's hearts. Philip did not know the heart of this Ethiopian. That is why we preach the gospel without discrimination. We preach to all who are willing to listen, not because we know who will respond, but because we don't know who will respond. Here is the comfort. God choosing those men and women from the foundation of the world gives me comfort that when the gospel is proclaimed, when it is preached, when Jesus is exalted, somebody will respond. That's what kept William Carey on the mission field in India. Seven years. Seven years. Years he labored, translating the scriptures, preaching Christ. Seven years with no converts, no fruit. What keeps William Carey there? He knows that God has chosen men and women from the foundation of the world. He has called us to go into the nations to proclaim the gospel. And the comfort is that those who have ears to hear will indeed hear. Oh, oh, we share the gospel with everyone. We proclaim it from the mountaintops to all who are within earshot. Because those who have the ears to hear promises, they will hear. That was the case with this Ethiopian eunuch. He hears, he has ears to hear. For us, Philip, in his obedience to the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord tells him uh, to, to go and, and speak to this Ethiopian eunuch. It comes upon him and he hears the man reading the scriptures aloud. He, he hears the, this, this Ethiopian eunuch in his carriage reading the scriptures aloud. It tells us something a little, tells us a little something about this man. It tells us that he was a religious man tells us that he was a religious man. He was a worshiper of God. This man was on his way back from Jerusalem. He had gone to Jerusalem to to worship. 
Now, this is, this is dedication. This is, this is loyalty. He would have traveled miles upon miles to, to get to Jerusalem in order to, to worship God. And because, as we said, he is a Gentile, he would have been treated differently. He would not have been able to enter into the, 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 the temple courts. He would have had to worship in the, in the courts of the Gentiles and perhaps maybe not even there because he was a eunuch. Eunuch meant that he was castrated. And so he would not have had the, the privileges of, of maybe some other Jews, proselytites that, that had actually become Jewish. This man was not only a worshiper of God, what we see is dedication. Here he is on the way back from Jerusalem. Do you know to have a, a scroll like Isaiah would have cost him dollars, serious dollars? And here he is reading it on his way back from the temple. He wasn't just a temple worshiper, but he was a dedicated worshiper of God. He had a sincere desire to know about this God. Traveling miles, paying money, questioning, reading the scriptures. Despite having all of this religion, this Ethiopian eunuch didn't have Christ. Despite all that religion, no Christ. I don't know if there is a more dangerous combination. Religion, no Christ. I don't know if there's a more dangerous combination, but, but the people in this predicament are legion. There are a myriads of people who can quote scripture after scripture, who know all the, the hymns, can, can, can talk and chop it up on theology all day long, but they know nothing of Christ. This should remind us that religious people need the gospel. Religious people need the gospel. You can be religious as you want to be, but if you don't have a clear understanding of who Jesus is, you are lost. Philip hears this man reading the scriptures aloud, and he asks him a question. He hears him reading Isaiah 53, and he, and he says, do you, do you understand what you are reading? What a wonderful way to begin a spiritual conversation, huh? He engaged him with a question. There's a point of application for us. There is a point of application for us in our evangelism. Ask people questions. What have you been reading lately? What church do you go to? Do you know what the gospel is? What's your pastor been preaching on lately? What you've been studying in your devotion time? Oh, you, you say you're, you're blessed and highly favored? Well, tell me what that means. Do you know what that means? Asking people questions tell us a lot about what people believe. It told us a lot about this Ethiopian eunuch. This question, this question that Philip asks the Ethiopian eunuch tells us a lot about him. And so, so he says, well, what, 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 does you, what do you, what, you believe? What, what is this? And when the Ethiopian eunuch opens his mouth, he shows that his religion 
unlike many, has not led him to self-righteousness, but has led him to a self-awareness. He realizes that there's something missing. He's he's not understanding. He he realizes that he doesn't have the the wherewithal to understand. He needs somebody to to help him. There there was a genuine puzzle there. There's There's a genuine wanting to know what this actually means. Oh, there's some people that are quite religious and their religion leads them to self-righteousness. There's some people's religion, like Martin Luther, who realized, man, I'm not good enough. As much as I beat myself and punish myself over my sin, how, it's not enough. I, there's something I'm missing. There's, there's got to be more to this. So here is this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading the scriptures, and he's saying, this is not making sense. It's talking about a suffering servant. Who is this? I need somebody to explain it to me. He understood. He had a self-awareness of his sin, of his, of his lack of ability to understand. All the puzzle pieces weren't fitting. How appropriate that he should be reading Isaiah 53. I mean, again, this is the sovereignty of God. This is not coincidence. This is the sovereignty of God that he is reading Isaiah 53, where the prophet tells us that the suffering servant was going to be led as a lamb to the slaughter, put to open shame for the sins of his people. This is what Philip hears him reading. And he asks him, do you understand? Ethiopian is perplexed by this passage. He, he's not sure if Isaiah is speaking about himself or if he's, if he's speaking about Jesus. Philip joins the chariot and he sits down and he begins to explain the scriptures to him. There's another point of application. For personal evangelism, sitting down with people and opening up the scriptures with them asking questions, explaining to them what it means. Philip shows us how to evangelize the religious. But he he shows us how to evangelize everyone, to share the gospel with anyone. We we open up the scriptures and, and we show people Jesus. And get this, Philip takes him to the Old Testament and shows him Jesus. You know, when we talk about taking people to the scriptures, to, to show them Jesus, our first instinct, our natural instinct, is to go to the New Testament. But Philip didn't have the New Testament. So, so he shows, shows him Jesus from the Old Testament. Perhaps he showed him how the Passover lamb pointed to Jesus. Or how Joshua was a type of Christ. Maybe he looked over to the prophet Hosea and showed how God had in mind Jesus' love for the, the church. Perhaps he showed him that Jesus was the righteous branch that Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, talked about all throughout his book. He showed him the key that unlocked all of the scriptures. He showed him Jesus. Philip did what Jesus did with the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. Right after he is, after he is crucified and, and resurrected. And, and here are these, these men on their road to Emmaus and they are perplexed. They are, they are, they are um, um, 
uh, upset that Jesus has, has died, but here they don't know Jesus is, is this man that comes up and, and starts talking with them. And, and Jesus, what does he do? He opens up the scriptures and he begins to show them the, the, ser- the, the suffering servant that he would have to die and that he would be buried but raised again on the third day. He says, the scriptures testify about me. And this is what Philip's doing. You don't, if you don't understand Jesus, you don't understand the Bible. It points to him. That was John's concern when he wrote his gospel. John 20 and verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know what? That should be our concern, brothers and sisters, in our evangelism. That should be our concern when evangelizing. It is easy to go down a number of different roads. It's it's easy to chase rabbit trails all day long. But as you are engaging with people in conversation and they want to take you down a a rabbit trail, you need to be thinking, how am I going to get this conversation back to Jesus? How am I going to show them Jesus? How in the scriptures can I point them to Jesus? Because Jesus is the issue. Jesus is the issue. Philip showed this Ethiopian Jesus. And, he, and it opened up his eyes to, to see him in all of his beauty. He, he, he gave them the, the last puzzle piece that, that made it all work. It's that last puzzle piece that he was missing. And, and once it fell into place, his eyes opened and he saw Jesus. He saw him in the scriptures. He saw him in Isaiah 53. Philip showed this Ethiopian Jesus and had the privilege of witnessing a genuine conversion. He had the privilege of witnessing a genuine conversion. When Jesus is explained and men and women have eyes to see him, genuine conversions take place. They do. They take, they take place. The, the Ethiopian eunuch hears the gospel and he responds in faith. Well, well, how do we know that he responded in faith? He gets baptized. But you say, well, I was here last week and uh, Simon the magician got baptized. What's the difference? We know how that turned out. I want you to take note of Take note of two responses this man has. I want you to understand and see his genuine obedience. This is, a, this is genuine obedience. As the Ethiopian's eyes are opened and sees Jesus, he is compelled to obey. He wants to obey. He sees water on the side of the road and he says, hey, there's water there. Hey, hey Philip, what prevents me from getting baptized right now, he's not coerced. Perhaps as Philip is, is, is sharing the, the scriptures to him and sharing the gospel, there's no doubt that baptism came up and, and, Phil, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, well, I see water. I want to obey. What stops me from being baptized right now? They go down into the water and Philip baptizes this Ethiopian 
obedience marks out true disciples. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This, this Ethiopian eunuch reads in the scripture that he needs to be baptized or he hears from Philip the the command to be baptized, and he desires to be obedient. So he does. There's a genuine obedience there. But then we see that there's, there's genuine joy. There's genuine joy. The text says that soon after Philip left the Ethiopian eunuch, he, he went on his way rejoicing. He had the joy of the Lord. His, his, genuine, his genuine confusion gave way to genuine joy. People who see Jesus clearly and truly leave rejoicing. Why? Because they understand what Jesus has done. Only the man or woman who, who sees Jesus and understands Jesus can read Isaiah 53 and, and see the suffering servant and, and know that your sins were placed upon his head, that by his stripes you were healed. Only those people that truly know Jesus can rejoice in reading Isaiah 53. Because they know that Jesus was sacrificed on their behalf. You were once his enemy, but now you are his friend. Listen, you Brothers and sisters are Gentiles like this Ethiopian eunuch. The fact that the the gospel has come to you here is Jesus making a point that the gospel is for the nations. He rejoiced. He rejoiced because of what we read in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that at one time, You Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without a God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why does that Ethiopian eunuch rejoice? Because he recognized that he was a Gentile. And because of what Jesus has done, he has now been brought near. And so he rejoices. He rejoices. Oh, how about you, brothers and sisters? Are you going to leave here rejoicing today? Because you understand Isaiah 53, you see Jesus as the suffering servant, and you say, I want to place my faith and my, my trust in him. I understand that he was punished for my sins, for my iniquities. That I, who was once his enemy, have been made his friend because of what Jesus has done. Oh, brothers and sisters, trust him. Trust him. Leave here rejoicing, knowing that you were once a Gentile, but have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ.
That's why that Ethiopian left rejoicing. And what does Philip do? He, the Spirit of God takes him, and he goes continuing to preach the gospel. He, he goes continuing to preach the gospel because he saw it as a, as a privilege, as a, as a joy, as a service to proclaim the gospel, to participate in the plan of God from the very beginning, which is to save sinners for his glory. Well, do you see that as a privilege, brothers and sisters? Do you see that as a joy, as, a, as an opportunity to, to glorify God by, by going, going across the street, by going across the office? Do you, do you see that as a privilege of participating in the plan of God, his redemptive plan from the very beginning? Oh, I pray that you would, that you would feel uncomfortable in your seats, that you would be willing to go when God says go, when God says go. And brothers and sisters, he's already said it. So, go. Go.